0: Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Thanks for checking out the podcast here on YouTube. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and the notifications bell. You'll get a notice anytime we upload some new content. And when I'm not asking Bruce, hey, how big was Batista's? Well, you know. One of the things I like to do is help people save money. And if you're watching this video right now and you're in a 30-year loan, man, you're overpaying your single biggest bill, and you may not even realize it. I want you to do a little experiment for me. Take your calculator out, multiply your monthly house payment by 360 payments. That's how many payments there are in a 30-year loan. That big scary number, that's your total of payments. You're looking at that number? You know you can do better. Keep more of your own money right now and go to SaveWithConrad.com or maybe you've got credit card debt. Man, it's not a matter of if I can save you money with that. Your average interest rate on a credit card is more than 20%. And by the way, all the interest you pay on those credit cards, it's not tax deductible. Whereas the mortgage interest, well, that is tax deductible. So if you owe this debt, it's up to you how to pay it back. Doesn't it make sense to get the cheapest rate possible and the greatest tax deduction possible? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit, even scores in the 500s can be approved, and it's no cost out of pocket. But maybe best of all, we're licensed in more than 40 states. We can help more families than ever before, but how much can we save you? Find out right now for free with a quick quote from SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? Very good,
1: Conrad. Glad to be with you. Good to hear your voice. I'm glad we're both above ground, and I appreciate all the folks uh, joining us here this week for another Grilling JR. This is going to be a hell of a show. I've, it brought back so many memories of one of the more unique times of my professional life, and uh, so I'm anxious to talk about it.
0: Of course, what we're talking about is a little bit of old school. We're celebrating the anniversary of Ronnie Garvin, defeating the nature boy, Ric Flair for the world heavyweight title, believe it or not. it went down on September 25th. So yesterday would have been unbelievably the 32 year anniversary of this title switch that happened at the Joe Lewis arena in Detroit, Michigan. It drew about 8,000 paying fans, a gate of around 111 grand. And that was pretty good business here in 1987 and We should mention that, uh, these guys had wrestled each other many times over the years, but the difference between those matches and this one is Ronnie Garvin actually won. He pinned Ric Flair and wins the world title. And, uh, that's not something that a lot of people were expecting. Even a week prior to this, they wrestled September 18th in Pittsburgh, and they went about 25 minutes before both men were counted out. Before we talk about the sort of backstage goings on. Uh, that led up to this. When did you know that Ronnie Garvin was going to be the world champion?
1: Probably, uh, if I recall, it wasn't a long advanced notice. I think maybe, maybe a week, you know, Tony being closer to it, Tony and I uh, called the show, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and I thought we did, a, I listed it back. And it's the first time I've heard it back in 32 years, folks. So, uh, uh, I think maybe, maybe a week Conrad, it wasn't the thirst for me to find out stuff in advance was never really as prominent as some might think. Cause I, you know, I always thought that knowing too much affected my work on air. I wasn't as spontaneous, uh, I, I just, it wasn't quite cutting edge as I'd like to be. So I, I didn't really go out looking for the information, but I think maybe a week I was surprised. I was more surprised that the, that this decision to put the title on Ronnie Garvin, the NWA title was even being considered because it came out of nowhere. And I think maybe that's part of the charm of why dusty, the booker, dusty Rhodes, uh, decided to go that way. Uh, so it was a, it wasn't an advanced, It wasn't a lot well discussed because dusty would not have enjoyed the pushback. And with some, there would have been pushback, uh, talents and others uh, in the, in the, in the loop. Because Ronnie was not hot, Ronnie was not uh, working main events regularly. Ronnie was not on top of the world and the role of momentum. He didn't have any of those things. But he was a hell of a wrestler, a reliable, durable, tough son of a bitch, without question. And going back and watching this match earlier today, uh, man, those two son of guns beat the living hell out of each other. I mean, they mangled their those chops and those palm strikes and all those things. Jesus Christ Almighty! It was so physical. So, folks, if you do anything this week, you got eighteen minutes or so, twenty minutes, go find uh, Garvin and Flair, eighty-seven Starcade, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, it is a next-level performance by both guys. Uh, but we'll talk about the rematch. We're going to start with this match. But first, I guess we should address the elephant in the room: the physicality in this match and this feud. Whereas a lot of people look back and they say, oh, Ronnie Garvin, this or that the, uh, the brutality between the two, I mean, night risk retrial. How do you miss with that? It's JR two eight, four dash eight, eight, eight. Uh, let's talk about sort of the backstory of this match because there's so much going on a few months prior to this Crockett winds up buying out bill Watts and you're a part of that. And I'm sure we'll have a different show sort of talking about that in long form, but now. That we fast forward a few months and we're here in September of 87. What's your role at this point? You were sort of the right-hand man to bill Watts before. Are you living in Charlotte yet? What's your day-to-day life look like within this new combined merged organization?
1: Uh, I never lived in Charlotte, uh, during that whole, uh, time, uh, and my responsibilities, uh, were less, uh, working for Jimmy Crockett, uh, than they were working for cowboy. Jimmy already had people in place doing things that I was doing for bill. Uh, they were in their r- rhythm, their system. So I basically, uh, helped format some, uh, live market interviews, uh, and not much more other than, you know, we broadcast every week. So again, every week, kind of like you and I were talking about, uh, before we went on the air today, these young cats at AEW are going to realize that doing TV every seven days on a national and global basis ain't a, ain't a day at the park. It's serious, goddamn business, and I hope they take it as seriously as I try to take my job when I first went to Crockett. Because I knew Crockett had a—he had announcers. He had Bob, the great Bob Cottle. He had Tony Shavani, who was young and tremendous. David Crockett—it was in that, that picture. So I—I uh, I knew I had to bring my best game. So that was—I I focused on basically that, and uh, you know, being able to team with Tony was a nice thing. Uh, I did some UWF television, obviously too, the syndicated show. But it, I was frustrated a lot in that early time because I wasn't sure where I was headed uh, job wise. And of course the job I wanted uh, was to be the voice of the pay-per-views and to be on TVS in a viable role. It didn't start out that way, but I, I earned my stripes and Dusty and Jimmy had confidence in me. And one thing i got to say here, Conrad, Tony Schiavone was a total class act all the way through uh, that whole transition. He was the incumbent. He was a great announcer still is, and we'll be kicking ass on Wednesday nights, uh, I, and I love being around Tony. Uh, his True friend, but that's what we, that's what came out of that deal. Not just, that I got to work a nice gig and I got nice assignments. I met a great friend that's been my friend. Tony's been my friend for over 30 years. So, uh, this, it was a really unique time for me, uh, to uh, get adjusted, make do all the travel. I was living in Dallas and, uh, from Dallas and go anywhere. So, and I did, so. It was a, it was a fun run, but I was not doing any more than, uh, than I was assigned whatever it was, I was assigned. I did it to the best of my ability. case closed.
0: Let's talk a little bit about where the company is at this point. Uh, at least from, you know, in front of the camera, Ric Flair is your world heavyweight champion he's been champ since August 9th of 86. Nikita Koloff is United States champion. He's been the champ since August 23rd of 86. Tully Blanchard has been your television champion since November 27th of 86. Your world tag champs are Manny Fernandez and Rick rude since December 6th of 86. Barry Windham and Ronnie Garvin have been your tag champs since, or your us tag champs since December 9th of 86. And your world six man tag team champions are dusty Rhodes and the road warriors in may of 1986. So that's, as we're sort of coming into 87, we've got quite a few champions, how did you think, you know, this was all going to work out when now the UWF comes in and they bring another, uh, another group of belts were you as somebody who had been a Watts guy concerned, how maybe the talent would integrate with Crockett, because there is the old fear of, well, they're just going to bury these guys. Like, you know, I think a lot of wrestling fans, when you look at a more modern transaction like this. When WCW is purchased by the WWE, I think most fans, myself included, assumed, well, they're just going to squash all those guys. And by and large, that proved to be the case. Were you concerned that that would be the case for some of your buddies from the Watts days as they merged with Crockett?
1: Of course. Uh, I was concerned about some of those guys, but the good thing there was that Dusty saw talent, uh, in guys like, uh, sting Steiners, Dr. Death, uh, that that call off the top of my head that could help him right away. Uh, I know that, you know, Terry Taylor was a TV champion, much underrated, uh, but, you know, he, he did the honors at one, at some point there for, uh, for, uh, Nikita, Nikita Koloff, I was worried about it and not just, it was a tough position for the booker to be in because remember, uh, the pro wrestling business is not unlike anything else that we can describe or talk about, which makes it's so much fun to be involved with. And, and that is, uh, the talent were very, uh, the, they, they closed quarters, closed ranks on the TV time. The, the TV time I'm talking about was the TV time on TBS. The Saturday night TBS show was the heartbeat of the whole nine yards by and large, that would be my take on it and guy. And there are only so many minutes on that show. There's only so many times, so many interview minutes, so many wrestling minutes on that show from the TBS studios and everybody fought for that time. It's valuable. You can't get over if you're not on television. Uh, and if you're, if you're on television in a negative way, then you're not going to get over there either. So I was concerned about that. And I think Dusty had a, a handful because he had a lot of very, all those guys you just mentioned as far as champions, the all incumbents, all on you know, uh, on the on the dusty road side of the aisle, which they had to be, cause he was the booker and Jimmy Crockett side of the aisle. So they, they were defensive of the territory of the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions. Uh, so I, I, I was concerned about that. And at the end of the day, uh, where the UWF could have had a trade, a split sometime on TBS on Saturday night, give them a heartbeat instead of losing on TBS, uh, that you could have strengthened that roster. And my idea, all along, I pitched Jimmy uh, Crockett and Rob Garner uh, in the Signature Air Hanger in uh, in Atlanta. Was we have we could have two leagues, and these two leagues can operate separately. They're the ASC and the NSC, and then at the end of the year we have a Super Bowl, and then you got all this fresh product that you can utilize on uh, on your pay per views. Pay per views can stay fresh, and so uh, that was the idea. Everybody seemed to like it. But somewhere along the way, it was either pitched to the wrong people. I don't know. Dusty may not have liked it. I don't even know. We never really talked about that, to be honest with you. But some guys uh, internally were concerned. And as wrestlers are, Conrad, as you well know, they're paranoid as hell. Paranoid as hell. And most of the time, you'd think they have all the self-esteem in the world, and they don't. So there's a lot of insecurities on display uh, right after that uh, deal was made.
0: Well, and maybe... Some of our listeners have some insecurities. Picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or those, uh, under eye bags? I was getting a little bigger now. Imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crows feet and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it. Well, neither did we until we tried it in my household. And now we don't have to imagine anymore. Uh, how about this? You can look 10 years younger, simply put, I've been blown away by the results and Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself and look your best at work or out with friends. The best is Plexiderm goes on clear. So nobody really knows you're even using it unless you tell them, of course, go to tryplexiderm.com and use our promo code grilling and you'll get 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right. 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. And this offer is available right now by calling 1 800 685 1292 and mentioning the code GRILLING. Of course, Plexoderm is backed by a 30 day money back guarantee. Visit Triplexiderm.com today and use our promo code GRILLING at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com. And our promo code is GRILLING. JR with uh, this Plexoderm guarantee. Yeah, I feel like this is something that uh, we might well we won't see it, but we'll know you've been using it when we see you on AEW next week.
1: You will, you exactly will. You know, folks, the first thing that people look at when they when they you're talking to them are your eyes, and the next thing's your teeth. But I wouldn't put Plexiglas on my teeth. That's not a cool idea. But under the eyes, folks, is the money. Eliminate those bags. It looks like you hadn't slept in a couple of days. It looked like you're a little bit of uh, you know Herman Munster type thing. Get rid of that puffiness. And the eyes tell the story. The eyes are the windows to your soul. And there's no reason that your eyes should not look great if you got a cure. And this is the cure. And it is, the, what a, Connor, this deal is, it's almost like we're paying the, our listeners to, to try it. Yeah. It's, it's a great deal.
0: 50% off plus another $10 off. Go to triplexiderm.com and use that promo code grilling at checkout. Let's talk about, you know, sort of the, uh, the behind the scenes creative you keep saying well dusty may have thought this dusty may have thought that mm-hmm. you weren't plugged in at all creatively at this point fair to say
1: yes fair to say
0: so when it came to the the call you know you're, you're doing your broadcasting style you're now going to sort of mesh up with uh, tony shivani as you've talked about was there any sort of um production meeting where anybody said, all right, Jr. And here's what we need you to do different, or here's what we want you to try over here, or, or does that not even really happen here?
1: No, no, no. I didn't, I, they didn't want to change a the thing. They wanted me to keep being aggressive and, and, uh, passionate, uh, Dusty loved my work. And so did Jimmy, uh, and that's not knocking Tony or Bob whatsoever. I had a different style, right? And that's all that was. You know, you just talked about two great fishers. Well, one's left-hander, one's right-hander. Yeah. So they're both, they get you out. So they're whatever, whatever the deal is. Uh, I did a match on UWF television. I'm sure that it's on the WWE network or YouTube somewhere where I believe it was Dr. Death winning the UWF title. And I want to say he won it against big Bubba Rogers, AKA the big boss man, or it was a one man game. I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, but, Uh, I just saw a picture on uh, Twitter the other day, uh, this week that had uh, the locker room scene, the champagne celebration and all that good stuff. But anyway, back to the story was that, uh, uh, Dusty called me when they saw that match, that footage. And he said, it is a good, is the best championship match call I've ever heard. And that made me feel good. Cause I was a new guy Now I knew Dusty before that. I, we, he'd come in for cowboy and, you know, we, we hung out and always argued about OU, Texas, uh, he would correct me and say it's Texas. OU. And by the way, it's on October 12th. Uh, and so it was a, it took me kind of took my breath. Cause I thought it was kind of cool, but he, here's what he did. if, 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 if this, uh, legend has it it's truthful not me a legend, but the legend of the story, I think he called Tony and David into the office to listen to that call because he wanted to hear them to hear how you're supposed to call a high stakes, big time championship match. And I don't know. And I don't think other than the last, last two or three years that, that David Crockett ever really forgave me. Uh, I get along with me fine now when I see him and Tony, of course, is like a little brother. So that's all cool. But that puts you on a spot because A, you raise the bar to where you didn't expect it to go and B, uh, now your peers who you need to work with in a cooperative way, uh, may look at you a little out of the corner of their eye. So, uh, but they didn't want me to change the thing, man. And then when I, when I did, when I went to work on the B show, they called it the B as an a B well, that was the NWA pro wrestling with Bob Cottle. Uh, Bob had been the long time, uh, uh, play by play guy. And I even said, Hey look, I'll do color. Bob's your Bob's been doing play by play. Nope, no, nope, no, nope, we won't Bob do color. And he said, we've talked to Bob. He's cool with it. So I go talk to Bob. Bob, you okay with this deal? I, mean, I don't wanna I don't wanna, you know, infringe. He said, Jim, it's gonna be a pleasure. I'm glad I have not got the responsibility of knowing every storyline, every detail, everything. You're gonna get us in the brakes, you're gonna get us out of the brakes, you're gonna pitch it to the VTRs, all that stuff It it's makes my life Bob, a hell of a lot easier. So all of a sudden, boom, not only we're, we're partners, we're riding together, we're stopping at Cracker Barrel, we're going to get big barbecue. And I saw a picture the other day, I got, brought tears from my eyes. And it had Bob, his wife, Jan, and me at uh, one of the, uh, I think that Charlotte uh, uh, NWA convention uh, thing, the god dang, whatever it is. Uh, nice event they used to have there. And it made, my, made me tear up but cause all those people bought the two Bob and Jan who would have thought Jan would go first and Bob and Jackie living in a sister living home in Raleigh. But I, I just love working with him, Conrad. It just, those are some great memories. and That's why this show is so much fun for me to do. Cause right now thinking about that are, are happy times.
0: There were happy times. And I know a lot of our fans have wanted to, uh, hear us talk about some old school stuff and I'm excited to do it here and. It, it is a bit of a transition period in professional wrestling. By this point, you know eighty seven, and then going on in eighty eight, Crockett's going to be adding rosters from St. Louis and uh, Heart of America Sports Attraction and Championship Wrestling from Florida and the UWF. I mean, he's collecting them all here, and I think that's what makes this title change that happened on September twenty fifth so curious to me because it comes out of nowhere and it's it's at a house show and it's not in sort of a hotbed of Mid Atlantic. It's in Detroit and I, I know this has got to be a coincidence, but we're just a few months removed from the biggest WrestleMania ever WrestleMania three at the Pontiac silver dome. And that's, I don't know, 30 minutes from where this title change is going to happen, why, why is so much major wrestling history happening in and around the Detroit area here in 1987?
1: I think you have the right answer at the top of your, uh, statement coincidence. I have, I don't believe there's any, first of all, Detroit for years and years, uh, with the original Sheik's territory and other promotions that ran in and around Detroit was a hub. They, they, they had a lot, did a lot of business over the years and had second, first, second, third generation wrestling fans that were placed all over the community from years gone by. That's always a good start. That's why most of these old, old territory hubs have multiple generation wrestling fans in them because that's where the office was. They saw the people out and about. They had regular shows there. All the biggest shows in the territory were there, that type thing. Uh, I think the house show, there's one con there's one concept about the house show title change that promoters have used over the years. And that is if we put everything on television, it lessens the, uh, need or the Immer- the immediacy to go see a live event right. that's non that's non televised. Uh, so I think that had some of the play in it, and I, I may, and it's, quite frankly I don't think it was a, it was a bad idea. Uh, I think it got people talking about the house shows. Anything can happen. You know, go to your here's the next you know here's the show coming up. Whatever. Uh, but I think I think that uh, uh, they're also would not have it on television so it'd be newer. The bottom line here, Conrad, is this. The company did not have a main event for the NWA title penciled in for Starcade. Starcade did not have the match, with basically a fl- opponent for Rick. Who's Rick going to work with? And I think that's one of the more misplays uh, that we had back in that era. The roster was rich.
0: We should mention that uh, Starcade '86 uh it, it, even though the main event is is Rick Flair and Nikita Koloff I think most people remember it for the Skywalkers match but Flair and Nikita were on top at Starcade 86 when you go back to StarGate 85 it's Flair and Dusty uh, you can probably guess that StarGate 84 also Flair and Dusty and that time Joe Frazier is uh your referee but StarGate 83 is a Flair for the gold and really sort of the coming out party for Rick he would win the world title for the second time in a cage match with Harley Race so Rick Flair in your main event of starcade is akin to Hulk Hogan in the main event of your WrestleMania. It's just a matter right. of who's he going to be across from and in 87, it feels like, well, we can't go back to dusty. We've done that twice. And it just feels like with this influx of talent, they would have come up with something else, but like what they came up with was what if we had Flair chasing, like we did in 83 and we put the belt on Ronnie Garvin, which in hindsight, maybe a curious decision
1: yeah, obviously, curious to see. Because again, Ronnie was not a regular fixture in the main events. That's certainly not to say that Ronnie Garvin did not have the skill set, uh, the work ethic, the mental and physical toughness to be a main eventer with anybody in any territory, which he, he could. I, I think he's one of the more underrated wrestlers in the history of wrestling. Uh, he, he was always reliable, my number one asset. He's reliable. Uh, tough physically and mentally, as I said, uh, he didn't sit home because he's got a hangnail or a pull muscle or something. Uh, he was a gamer, uh, but Ronnie didn't have any momentum and that's what we see today on television a lot. Promoters and bookers have got to have the balls to get somebody on a roll without having to have the, the, uh, all the internal pieces that are moving agree with that move. Uh too many cooks in the kitchen can spoil the stew. And I think that we had a lot of cooks in the kitchen back then giving Dusty feedback. Hey brother, hey this, hey, you know. So I'm with you, Conrad. This is could have been a lot lot better uh if we had somebody ready. The bottom line is the roster had not been managed in that time in a more objective way if it had been, uh this would not have been even a, a remote matter. Because what Booker, if he's left alone, and not having all this input, what Booker would not have an opponent for Rick Flair at Starkade. I can't think of any that, that I can't think of anybody that had any brains or any success. That would have been your first priority. And for whatever reason, you know, uh, you know, Dusty didn't want to beat he could, Sting wasn't ready. Right. By, by not even close. Uh he 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 didn't wanna he didn't want to beat Nikita again. Uh he didn't want to beat Barry.
0: Yeah, and, well, that's always been curious to me that maybe Barry, I think this is the, the theory that most people, most wrestling fans wonder is why wasn't it Barry? And and I think you could argue, well, it shouldn't be Luger because he's the U S champ and, and they want a big match for, for dusty, which I get, but Barry Windham feels like he could have slid in there, but so does his opponent. And I wanted to get your take on this because I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't considered, or maybe it was, but Dr. Death comes in as the UWF heavyweight champion. And since we have just purchased them and they're the big, you know, uh, rival company, and now we're all under one roof and we can create our own little wrestling war. Why wouldn't we have had Ric Flair, the NWA champion, wrestle Dr. Death, the UWF champion and combine the titles in the main event of Starcade.
1: No good reason to not do it and to make it even better. What I would have done, I would have had Dr. Death affiliate with Jim Cornette. Uh, he could be Cornett's bodyguard. He could be the third guy in a six-man tag. Uh, he could be a lot of things. He could be, but Cornette would be in his corner and the vignettes and the preparation. You know, Dr. Death, God bless his soul. He, he beat everything in his path to cancer. I don't know how day goes by. I don't think that big bastard. I loved him then. I love him now. So my answer is not going to be unbiased. But if you got Doc ready with a Cornette to talk for him, where Doc was just entered to get a sound bite here and there and was produced by Cornette, you could have had him red effing hot by, uh, by Starcade. It would have been a tremendous challenge, uh, for the, maybe the most physical challenge that Flair had ever had. He was younger, bigger, stronger, faster, four times, legit, all American amateur wrestling. Everything was there. It was there in place that killed him. He was a UWF guy. And for whatever reason, I don't, I, it's, it's no different than Dusty going to work for events. We talk about the polka dots. These guys are there with their egos and I'll get you. I'll get you. Didn't, I didn't get you then. I'll get you now. And Terry Taylor, the red rooster, all these. And and look, it's not just Vince. This happens in all kinds of all the territories at some point have had these illustrations. But I think doc was, as they say today, Conrad, which I despise, but I'll use it. He was on the wrong side of the aisle.
0: That's just amazing to me. Cause, and you can hear, you know, that you had a lot of uh, passion for the decision, did or the idea. Was it ever presented as best you know, or was it just quickly dismissed?
1: Well, Dusty you don't know, talked about Doc. He 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 actually liked Doc a lot, but you know, it was just a matter. I think there are outs- I think there are other forces involved in this damn thing, man. That uh, you know. Didn't want to lose their spot in the, in the, at the dinner table. And when you get a guy in like him, that was a, a gifted, na- uh, you know, natural athlete that, you know, he just looked the he looked like everything you'd want in a wrestler. He's six, two, 300 pounds. He's fast. He's flexible. Why are,
0: why, why are you not just, uh, saying what you think here? Was it, is it dusty who was maybe hesitant to put him in the spot? He felt like he would have taken his spot as one of the top performers or somebody else.
1: I think, I don't think it was dusty per se. I think it was Dusty having to appease everybody. Yeah. M- multiple other people who were who worried about getting, losing their spot. Let me tell you something. That Dusty popped that territory, the Crockett territory, as we all know. Yeah. And they had amazing. He was the best big match or big event promoter I've ever worked with. Uh, just amazing vision and feel for the game. But man, he had, uh, he had a lot of talents that he had nurtured and had, had, had brought into this, this, scenario, uh, like Nikita, for example, and, I, and I'm not knocking Nikita whatsoever. Just saying just using him as an example, he was an unknown. He was just a guy, uh, who happened to be, uh, from Minnesota with big traps and great muscles, great body and p- a facial expression that you, that you could launch ships You it was great, but these guys got hot. Conrad and started making a lot of money. And as wrestlers do as athletes do and as the general society does. Sometimes when you start making where the the cash is rolling in, we foresee that it's never going to end. You and I both know people like that. Several of them, uh, and and a lot of ball players, they think it's never going to end and these guys could not let it in because they were either living in the biggest house of their life, they're driving two or three cars. They're paying for boob jobs and jewelry and Rolexes. They could not afford to have a cut in their income and a new kid on a block. That might be a difference maker. that could be a playmaker could be that guy. I just don't think doc was ever, I don't think, I think dusty was under so much pressure to not put the, don't put those guys over us. It was, it should never have been those guys and us. That should have been a Jimmy Crockett. St- I'm going to step in here. I going to solve this issue right now. We're all together. We're on one team and we're pulling for the same thing. It's not us and them get that shit out of your head, but it never happened. And to some degree, what you mentioned earlier, good point. It never happened with the WC, some of the WCW guys coming into uh WWE back in the
0: day, let me ask, do you think, you know, since we're just speaking freely here, do you think that maybe flair campaigned for Ronnie because he felt like, Hey, yeah, I can put the belt on Ronnie, but. He's not a real threat to be in my spot. So if I'm going to have to lose it and chase, uh, I want it to be with that guy because I know he's not really a threat.
1: I think that, uh, Rick was probably realized, and I'm sure it was frustrating that he, they didn't have somebody ready for him. They didn't get anybody ready for him. That's where your idea about Dr. Death or could have been somebody else it could have been Scott Steiner, for example, let's say just took, you know, spitball here. You there are other, there are new guys that were working for cowboy. That could have come in and, uh, uh, and got hot with the right booking that didn't happen. As we talked about, but Doc or Steiner, whomever Rick knew this, he knew that his matches with Ronnie Garvin would be as physically intense as the fans likely would have seen in years on television, which counteracted what WWE was doing at that time on top. Uh, you know, and during that era, they were never known as a, uh, a physical brand of wrestling, uh, it, by, by and large, they're tough guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bitching at the guys, but that was not the presentation. That's not how they were produced. And he knew that that match would be talked about for a long time. Like we're talking about it here today in 2019. So, uh, and he knew the match would be good because Ronnie was a hell of a hand. So, and Ronnie had a lot of respect in the, in the in the in the business. You know, Ronnie Garvin's the first guy other than Cowboy that I met that flew his own plane and uh back in the day. He's a smart guy. Saved his money, invested well. Uh, you know, uh, he's mature beyond his age and he survived the Terry Garvin uh p- partnership. And Terry was a wild man. And then of course he's Jimmy Garvin's stepfather. So he, he was just smart and he, and, and he took advantage of the opportunity and flair knew that Ronnie would give everything he had that have a hell of a match and it would be a great win for Rick at his event. Starcade.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, um, what we're doing as we, we head into this, as we mentioned, Rick and Ronnie have had uh, some history heading into this. They've had a lot of matches in 87, but. I think what most fans remember about uh Garvin and Rick in 87 is the feud that Rick had with Ronnie, uh, or I'm sorry, Jimmy and right. Jimmy's uh, storyline valet precious. And of course that's Jimmy's real life wife. And that's uh, going to set up a, a, a great American bash cage match. And the result is Rick getting a date with precious. And of course he's supposed to meet her at a hotel and. Now, wouldn't you know it? There just happens to be a camera crew there inside the hotel room. And it's a hilarious piece of footage, maybe a little silly, but the result is, uh, precious winds up being Ronnie Garvin in drag. And, uh, there's a big, uh, bump into a pool and some silly shenanigans, but this is a bit of a departure from the way the NWA had been doing things. What did you think of this build and the backstory of how this all got intertwined and how Ronnie was the cross-dressed precious?
1: Well, uh, it was, it was entertaining by and large, uh, the Garvin common denominator connection was good booking. So basically dusty used Jimmy Garvin and his lovely wife, precious, uh, as pawns in the storytelling. And they, of course, Jimmy Garvin, another, one of the more underrated guys ever in the business, I never signed to anything. He wasn't good at commentary tag wrestling, single wrestling, babyface, heel, Tell me somewhere he was, he wasn't good. I can I'd love to see it. And of course his wife, uh Patty, just what a wonderful she's still such a wonderful human being. And it's funny how she got it she got out of when she got out of wrestling, she was one of the few that said, I'm not going back. And she never has. But that's another story for another time. Uh I thought it was good booking by Dusty. And the storytelling, the Garvin Company dominator moving forward, and then the, the then the swerve. Cause everybody was you know, sure that flair is going to be off the wall with, in a room with the, uh, with precious in this in a hotel room for God's sakes. And then uh, Ronnie to be in dress and drag was, I had, that's not, I had not seen that angle in a long time. I don't know if I'd ever seen that angle before played that well as the drag thing. Uh, but anyway, it was good. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I liked this. I liked the little inter, a little entertainment because I knew even on the way to the, to the party. The entertainment was going to be fine on the way to the big dance. I say, but boy, when we got to the dance. That music was going to be badass, and it was.
0: We should mention that, uh, this is all sort of the, the backstory to explain why they're having these matches on the house show loops and the match itself. The one we're talking about September 25th, 1987 goes 33 minutes and 17 seconds. It's a typical, brutal, hard hitting match. The finish is going to see both guys standing on the top ropes as Flair's trying to climb out of the cage. Garvin is going to bang Flair's head into the poles, holding the cage up a few times. And then Flair would take two steps and, of course, do his face first bump, straddling himself on the top rope and then falling onto the ring. And when he gets back up, Garvin leaps off the top rope into a sunset flip to gain the pinfall and the NWA World title. And as Ronnie celebrating, a lot of the babyface wrestlers. Empty the dressing room and come in uh, to celebrate. Not something we see that often. Uh, what did you think of the match? What did you think of the finish? And uh, what was the reaction in real life from Ronnie being the uh, guy with the big belt?
1: Well, Ronnie was never overwhelmed by being the champion. Uh, Ronnie was more motivated by monetary things than the accolade of being the former NWA or the NWA champion, whatever. Uh, so it was, to, to him, it was business as usual, only a little better because it's, it should be leading to a, a nicer trip to the pay window. Uh, the match was a, was a slobber knocker. I mean, if there ever was a match, a series between anybody, any two guys, that was a slobber knocker, Ronnie Garvin and Ric Flair was the epitome of that analogy, uh, just physical as hell. And quite frankly. Even though the finish sounds mundane in today's world, and some younger fans, what well, he did do a 450 splash, or he didn't uh, do a tope El, el- suicidal or something. No, he did a sunset flip off the top rope, and in that era, that was a high-risk move that paid off. I never saw that finish coming. I thought if Garvin was going to beat him, that he would he'd use his finish, the right hand, so to speak, and, and knock him out. But sh- shock, surprise. But, you know, Flair was, had a big hand in all this. He was a, he was right along for the ride. He contributed things to the match and to the finish. And, uh, that was one of the, I think that's even though dusty and Flair had a great rivalry in and out of the ring, uh, that I believe that, uh, that they always had the respect of being great performers, great in-ring talents. And that always allowed them to see an issue objectively and try to come up with some sort of solution, this respect of each other.
0: The, uh, the, the baby faces is celebrating with him. Do you remember any, uh, this title win going to, to Ronnie, giving any heartburn, any of the guys?
1: No, no, it was look again, there, they were, they were all the guys that could have been in that picture we talked about Wyndham. We've talked about, you know, whomever. Staying too, too early for staying. Wyndham seemed to be the obvious guy that could have been there, but Dusty didn't really want. Dusty had a special place with Barry and Blackjack and that whole Texas connection. The West, you know, West Texas stuff. Uh, he took good care of Barry by and large. But you know, Barry losing to Rick Flair at Starcade would not have been a career killer by any stretch of the imagination. But again, you wonder why Dusty made that particular decision. Because it, it, for Barry, it never really played out. We didn't. Well, I'm glad we didn't do that then, because he went on. He went on and had this wonderful long run. He didn't have a wonderful long run. So I, I don't know what that all the dialogue behind the scenes was on that deal. I just suspect that. Dusty had made a commitment to Barry and he's not going to be players. are going to beat Barry. And he's not going to do it. Certainly not going to do at Starcade. If, if I was going to lose, if I was Barry, you know, I was going to lose. I damn sure want to lose in the main event of Starcade. And I will tell the, tell the tear the house down in the process. But that's how that worked. But I, the boys are always living, they're living their own world. Again, as we talked about her, they're trying to protect their Rolexes and their boo jobs and their big cars and their big houses and all that stuff. They're not worried about, uh, who's going to go over in a, in a, in a work to dramatic fight.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that about Ronnie Garvin, because he's been quoted as saying it was a nice big paycheck. That was my bottom line. Everything else did not excite me. And I tell that being honest and yes, I did accomplish something and I, I can't say I didn't do it, but my main goal was to get to the top. Uh, the whole thing was, uh, the object of money, how much money do I make a year? How much money do I put towards my retirement? And I was planning out everything in my life. And a lot of people didn't do that. I didn't go to the bars drinking. I wasn't a partier. I didn't have all the women in the world. Like a Ric Flair. I didn't ride in limos. And I told people, if you saw me in a limo, it was because I was driving it. <laughs> I'll be up front. The little guy wearing a little hat. Both of my feet are on the ground and I never dreamed it. And the only dreams I had were to be successful. I'm a regular guy. And I put my pants on one leg at a time. And I want to thank the fans because without them, we wouldn't have anything. And once I had the title, I didn't really care to be the world's champion was no life for a guy. You look at a guy like Jack Briscoe, for example, I think he quit and just didn't plain want it. I remember him telling me that he was gone and it was never home and was in Japan one day and in California the next, but I guess Flair loved that life. I would imagine he's been the champion many times. And I think a lot of guys probably didn't want it. And that's why he just had it so much. It's an interesting take on being the champion that. That Ronnie says it's really no way to live. I don't know that we've we've heard that a lot. What do you think of his take there? No, a,
1: a lot of guys have said that off the record to me over the years. You know, Harley used to talk about that. Harley was Harley was a lot like Nate. Harley was a road warrior man, uh, and not hawker animal. He was a he was a, he loved he was a a beast on a travel. He, he he worked everywhere, and rarely had a day off. Here there here there and yon worked hurt all that good stuff. It's just not for everybody. Cause what it ha- if you have a stable marriage or a significant other that you have a stability with, then being on the road, that amount of time where you're booked more than anybody else in the world and more vote locations than anybody else in the world and a business that has no off season, one can easily see how damaging that can be to a family unit. Right. And I think a lot of guys had those issues. Ronnie Gard was a family man. He was in wrestling for one reason. And he, the same reason everybody else is in it basically, but he's this, he's, he says it for the damn money. And when some wrestlers it's all about the money, bullshit, it's all about the money, pal. You know, go tell yourself walking. Uh, it's all about the money. And Ronnie was just that kind of guy. So, uh, but the championship was, it's a lonely ass life. You're not traveling with your buddies. You're not jumping in a car and going to town to town and having a six pack of beer, your pals are smoking a joint or something. You're on another airplane. You're in a train You're somewhere. You're at different places all the time. And you travel solo. You had to handle your own bags. You had to handle your own travel arrangements, hotel, rental cars. what well, everything, which I found to be ridiculous, but nonetheless. It it could become a pain in the ass and Conrad, if you weren't making the massive money that you envisioned that you would make as being this world champion and the price that you're paying to be away from home, then this suddenly this gig, ain't that much fun. I can do better in a territory working on top and being home most nights. And that's what a lot of them did.
0: Well, and Jerry, when you're home most nights these days, it's because you're rocking Blue Chew and you can do it right now at BlueChew.com. It's going to offer men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. And if you're looking to last a little longer, go a few extra rounds, BlueChew.com can hook you up because they've got the world's first chewables that have the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. But because they're chewable, they can work faster than pills, up to twice as fast. And a blue affiliated physician can work with you right now to find the right dosage and active ingredients best for you. It's made right here in the USA and it's cheaper than the other two because the online physician consult is free and it only takes a couple of minutes to meet with this physician. And if you qualify, you get prescribed online very quickly. So you skip the in-person doctor visits. You skip the awkward conversation at the pharmacy. You're not waiting in line anywhere. It just shows up discreetly at your front door. That's going to give you the confidence you need in bed every time you and your partner will love it. So chew it and do it with good old Jr. Here's a great deal for you. Go to bluechew.com and get your first order for free. When you use that promo code Jr, you just pay $5 shipping. That's B L U E C H E W.com. And the promo code is Jr. And of all of our sponsors, this is the one that you probably recommend the most. Am I right? Jim?
1: <laughs> well, it's, here's what I'll say. It damn sure works. Uh, it works really good. The, uh, folks that, again, this goes back to we're talking about mass marketing and how, you know, we're, we're Conrad, Conrad and I both, uh, use this product. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Uh, he's not either, but the bottom line is it's not a product for those with erectile dysfunction. Now that will help, If you have rec- erectile dysfunction and don't be ashamed that you do, uh, it will, so, it'll cure what ails you. But it enhances the experience for, for all of us and, uh, and same deal here on these offers. we we got an offer here on grilling Jr. You're going to get this product for free. Cost you five bucks for shipping and handling. Uh, you know, somebody going to pay the post office five bucks. And so the worst thing that can happen is you, you make an investment of $5 and it doesn't work for you like you think it will, but I, I promise you uh, from The first blue pill I took a long time ago, uh, it's not, it's never failed me. So I'm, uh, it just enhances the moments. And for those of us that, you know, that are not married or don't have a significant other, those opportunities come up at various times, unusual times, unplanned times, but I can promise you somewhere on my person, there could be a little blue chew, little black bag in my pocket with a blue pill in it. So just say it. It works folks. And it costs you five bucks to find out.
0: Check it out. You're going to be glad you did it's fast. It's easy. It's free. It's blue And the promo card is uh, the promo code is simple. It's JR. Now R let's talk about what Rick says about, um, this whole, uh, situation with the title change. The fans liked it when he was pursuing me for the title. And when he finally won, they weren't as impressed. I just don't think he was perceived as a huge star. Let me put it this way. When I wrestled Garvin, we were part of the package. When I wrestled Dusty, we were the main event. This was another short term title reign, and the plans were made for me to win the belt back at the championship match at Starcade 87. And every year, Starcade had been held in Greensboro, but this time Crockett decided to move the event to Chicago. He was trying to make a statement that we're not just a Southern company. In hindsight, it was a terrible move, absolute insanity. But Jimmy didn't want to hear about it. Greensboro's never going to be Chicago, but don't tell that to the people in Greensboro. These were loyal fans, and we insulted them, and as a result, they never forgave us.
1: Amen. They did not. Bad decision. Bad decision. Uh, Jimmy put. I mean, Sharp, Greensboro was the Jim Crocker Promotions uh, New York City. It was the capital of, of uh, Mid Atlantic wrestling uh a lot of great markets in, in that area in that region no doubt but nothing compared to greensboro because they got all the big big stuff they got flair and race uh in 83 and starcade was a greensboro event uh bad mistake and that's trying too hard to emulate uh and knowing that you're playing a move here you're going to advertise this move uh that you're going to have the show's going to be uh you know not in Greensboro. And it gives McMahon all the time in the world to, to come up with a counter plan, a little defense for your offense. And he did. And McMahon out uh, Crockett and it crippled that whole pay-per-view that we did there. And, uh, what Rick was talking about there, not Greensboro, but in uh, Detroit or, or the Chicago show, the Chicago show I'm talking about, sorry. And, uh, but it just didn't make any sense. Conrad, you, you, you don't turn your back on your loyal audience. You and I are never, never going. If we have a, if we're keep building our audience here. We're going to always give a best show. We possibly can. We're going to phone shit in. We're going to work hard for you and we're going to stay true to our roots. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, uh, of that tradition in wrestling and Greensboro was a part of an amazing pro wrestling tradition that got forsaken, uh, And basically for, I can say greed or we can say, uh, you know, motivation, whatever, I don't know, bad mistake. Rick was right about that deal. No doubt. Greensboro got screwed and they never said, and nobody ever said, we're sorry. And then they never, they never forgave it.
0: Yeah. To talk about how they never forgave it. How about clash of the champions where Flair would make sting in March of 88. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Excuse me. They only draw 6,000 fans for that. Horrible. And a month and, later, it's the third Crockett Cup, only 6,200 fans. This is uh, usually a town that has a multiple of that, but I think they're so disappointed with uh, Starcade being in Chicago, they never really recover.
1: No, no. They felt insulted and unappreciated. The last thing you ever want your consumers, folks, whether you're in business or any kind of business, is for your consumers to feel unappreciated, because they will very rapidly seek another place where they can find appreciation. And uh, we we, we crafted them. I can tell you, going into Greensboro for the first time for me uh, was a Clash One, the show that Tony and I worked where Flair and Sting went 45 minutes. Why that could not have been formatted differently and been an hour? I don't know, but you know they just say that's another probably a little political talk because some guys needed more time. Which always is a pain in my ass. I think that's so stupid. Well, we have to have 30 minutes. Folks, you're not a good enough worker to tell your story in 20. Huh, I didn't know that. Why are you in the main event? Tell me again. I forgot. You can't go 20 minutes and tell the same story you can do in 30? I say bullshit on that one. How about that? Uh, but it, so anyway, when we got there, I'm thinking, this place Michael Jordan played basketball in the ACC final. And all these great, these amazing hoosters, right? 18,000 seats,
0: 20,000
1: seats. And when we got, we got there, 6,000, seats. it looked like you could shoot a gun off and not hurt anybody.
0: That's what's crazy is a year prior, March of 87, uh, you guys would run that show and I guess that maybe was before you were there, but there's 15,000 fans there. So the show that we all remember so much March of 88 clash of the champions, 6,000 fans. So we go from 15 to six. In just one calendar year. And a lot of people attribute it to this on his relationship with Rick, Ronnie Garvin would say, uh, I've never seen him since 1987. I don't like being in that kind of world. It's bullshit, but to each his own, it's his life. And you live it the way you want to, but I don't respect it because to me, you're a goof when you blow your money away and you wind up down the road broke. And if you look in sports and entertainment and you see folks that had everything and the last part of their life is just misery. Why go through that at the end of your life and go through that financially? I've heard all kinds of stories and I don't know that they're true, but I wish him the best and he's never done anything to me, but I respect people that are down to earth. People that accomplish many things without having to brag about all their feats in the world, how many women they slept with, how many drinks they can have in one night and driving the Mercedes and taking limos. I got in the ring with him and I never sat at a table and had a meal with him. I never met him at a bar, had a long conversation or traveled with him. I never did any of that, boy. Ronnie Garvin coming in hot here. What do you make of this? <laughs> well, that's just Ronnie. I mean, and that's not a
1: good answer for you, but Ronnie just Ronnie had no filter, but he was a classy guy, and he also had no fear. You got to remember the the physicality you see in that ring with Ronnie Garvin is simply a manifestation of his natural personality. He was a badass, so he he could back up what he said, but he was also respectful. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, I had, when I read these comments, I was a little shocked because I had I didn't remember them, but, uh, it sounded just like him. So he would, he didn't get personal with Rick. He just said, you know, that this is not the way I choose to live my life. And so that was kind of, it was just a, he was a man's man. Hey, there was more bitching and moaning in the, in the Jim Crockett promotions office. Uh, with the talent and so forth and all the ancillary parts that we were leaving or they were leaving. I was on the team. So we were leaving, uh, uh, Greensboro for Chicago. And they said the same thing. We're screwing up our, this is our moneymaker X number of times a year. We're going to make X number of dollars off this one market. And there was more bitching and moaning about leaving uh, Greensboro than there was about uh who's gonna be the next champion because that stuff can change With the with the using the most oppressive weapon in all of wrestling, the eraser. It's easy fix. Leaving Greensboro in a market that had been cultivated for decades and decades and taking a great big old dump before you left was not the thing to do.
0: Let me ask you about Ronnie Garvin. Do you think and, and I'm not trying to be a flare apologist here and everybody knows, you know, my relationship, but do you think that maybe Garvin has some animosity to Rick that, you know, he got up to this main event level, but very quickly he's not figured in on top moving forward to the point that August of the next year, I think like August 12th, he's out of there. He's out of Jim Crockett completely in less than a year after this. And he would wind up in the WWF. And we know that, you know, he had what he had there, I guess through 1990. And he'd bounce around a little bit with smoky mountain and things like that. But realistically, when this doesn't go the way he thinks it might, or most people would, and you're on the outside, looking in and by God, you're going into the biggest show of the year as the world champion In mm-hmm. less than a year he's out of there. You think there's any sort of ill will from Garvin that torts flair, that maybe it didn't work out to be more for him.
1: I would doubt it. I don't think so. It could be, obviously it could be. That would not be my sense of, uh, Ronnie Garvin. He just didn't seem like he. He wanted to engage or attach himself to the the over the ever growing, ever developing politics of pro wrestling. And uh so I him having an issue in that respect over creativity, the creative rather, would be uh which would surprise me. Uh if he was gonna be angry at anybody, he might be angry at Jimmy or Jimmy Crockett or Dusty. Because they're the ones make the, make those decisions. Flair was falling. He was flares getting produced, but here's the thing about that. Let's say you're right. Conrad with your assumption and you could be that the matches that Garvin and Flair had did not show me any indication whatsoever that either guy was giving us anything, but a hundred percent.
0: Oh yeah. No sandbagging. I'm not insinuating that I'm talking about behind the things you sh- behind the scenes. You mentioned a minute ago, the most powerful weapon in wrestling is the eraser and it just feels like, especially, uh, you know, maybe we should take even another step back. We've talked about what's happening on this side of the aisle, as you would say with the UWF and the NWA, but once the NWA reveals, we're going to hold this super show now that we've got the UWF under our employee and we're going to call it starcade and we're going to put it on pay-per-view now. Starcade had been around for a while, but traditional pay-per-view had really been Vince McMahon's playground thus far. And they're going to run the big show here. And Vince McMahon can't stand that and wants to counter program it. And he counter programs it with survivor series. The very first one, he creates survivor series to compete with star 87. So now all of a sudden at the same time, heads up cable companies and fans at home have to decide what are we going to do here? And it does feel like politically. A, uh, a bad spot to be in. If I was a wrestler and I was reading the tea leaves, we know that flair is a made man for lack of a better word in the NWA. And if the show does poorly, nobody's going to point to flair and say, Oh, it's his fault. Maybe Garvin, when he takes this spot and the show doesn't do gangbuster business, maybe because of the counter-programming by Vince McMahon, he's going to wind up being the fall guy. Do you think that maybe there were other wrestlers who, who saw that? and maybe garvin didn't or i'm overthinking it
1: no i think uh, no there's it's possible there conrad I don't, I don't think you're overthinking it because that's just the nature of the paranoid beast that is pro wrestling it's it's the, the finger pointing is endless never ending uh and uh i'm sure ronnie you know the this little whispering the little innuendo somebody must say hey, uh so I was talking about, the, you know, you're, you're the reason that we didn't do good pay-per-view buy rate. No, the reason the pay buy rate didn't do well for Starcade, it wasn't a one match show. It was what it was, but there are a lot of other good stuff on that show that we haven't even talked about. It was a good card. And, uh, but I, the McMahon and the WWE, WWF at the time, they're, 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 they're the ones that killed Starcade and that, and that event, because the, the cut, at least. Pay-per-view cable systems were had to make a choice by and large, and McMahon had the biggest muscles. He had the biggest track record. He'd come off WrestleMania three in the Pontiac Silverdome. Nobody was going to cross him, and so all of a sudden, the pay-per-view, Crockett's pay-per-view was was available in so few uh, markets that some bitch could have had a a hundred percent buy rate and not made any money. Uh, I think you know I heard one time that. After that they the Crockett's made less than hundred grand on that thing after paying everybody. And that's no that's 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 it's that's insanity. That's crazy. So uh that whole that whole Greensboro decision was huge. Because they never got they never got Greensboro back. And Conrad, quite frankly, when Greensboro lessened, the popularity of the events of Greensboro lessened, all of a sudden the rest of the towns in that territory started noticing. And that was a bad thing.
0: Let's talk about what Ronnie was doing after this match. Well, I mean, if they had a match like that today, they'd probably be looking for some CBD MD because they're a trusted leader in the CBD industry. And they're committed to providing you with the best natural support to help you feel your best. Now this is something I can't stress enough because I do get a lot of tweets about this, all of their products are THC free. So you never have to worry about any associated high. CBDMD's premium CBD is produced from ethically sourced U.S. grown hemp. They utilize independent third party testing for safety, purity, and effectiveness to ensure they deliver to you the highest quality products possible. They have a full line of premium CBD products ranging from classic CBD oil to gummies to sleep products to topical creams and even CBD for your pets. But best of all, each product is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee and exceptional customer service. You can call them up and chat with them right through their website at cbdmd.com before you buy. That's cbdmd.com, and they'll answer any questions you may have to help you make an informed decision. And and cbdmd, I got to tell you, is a game changer in my household. I uh, I think a lot of fans who saw me at the first starcast knew I was walking around in a walking boot. I broke my foot a few years ago. Took the boot off too soon. Didn't heal all the way like it needed to. A little bit of CBD uh, MD on there. Good to go. My mom wasn't a believer. She had lots of other assumptions about CBD. And I want to address <laughs> those to make you feel better and make life a little easier for you. Check it out: cbdmd.com. And that promo code is GRILL. Uh, of course, Ronnie didn't have any CBD MD, but he's on the road uh, October 10th. Uh, he's going to go to a DQ with Tully Blanchard on the 11th. He's doing double shots in Cleveland and Cincinnati, and he's going to beat Rick in both of those. He's going to have a two out of three falls match that he is victorious in in Kansas city on the 16th and on his way there, he's going to wrestle some other challengers, guys like Alan Martin, uh, Who? exactly. Big Bubba Bing, Rogers.
1: Bingo. There's part of your issues. How well was Ronnie book going into the start to the December? Not very good. Alan Martin, I, I look, I'm not being disrespectful to Alan Martin, but it ain't like Alan Martin is a household name. Right. And Ronnie should have been getting wins over guys that, uh, but for some reason, there was probably as much paranoia about their spots and their positioning and how much TBS time they got, uh, as any territory I was ever involved in, uh, guys again, had, had, had blown all their expectations out of the water. They couldn't believe the money they were making. And, uh, so some of the stars that would have drawn big houses, therefore everybody would have made money off that, that stop, uh, couldn't figure out ways to lose without hurting them. And I find that one of the bigger cop outs of all of wrestling folks. And you can say whatever you want And, and your, and your opinion is very good. It's as good as mine, but if you're not talented enough in a performance art to, to orchestrate and produce a match where you don't win, but you don't, you don't get, you're not, you're not humiliated or, or just devalued to, 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 nothing. Uh, I, you can't do that. Then you're really in the wrong business. I just believe it can be done. It should be done. And on, on, on that card, we talked about this card here. We're talking about God. There's, well, I think there was a draw on it, which is good. I like that, but DQs and countouts and things. Could have been stories could have been further, much better if they weren't left open-ended where there's always we'll throw it out. Well, that's one of the WWE. Well, that we we'll have their Hey, rude. Then we'll throw it out. Okay. So we're not have a finish. No, so I, I don't like that. I don't think it's hurt some business. I think it's hurt the business over the years and on this era of pro wrestling in the JCP company, you saw always multiple count outs and or disqualifications on every card and cause got to protect this guy. I don't know who you're protecting. You're not protecting the business. And that's the main thing.
0: Yeah. And, and they're going to do their best on TV to try to tell the story. We see lots of promos from Rick or he's giving credit to Ronnie for, for beating him, but he's vowing to win it back at Starcade. And We see some promos and interviews from Ronnie, but we don't see much in ring action on TV or any sort of physicality with Rick and. Then we start to march towards Starcade. We do a Starcade Control Center on October seventeenth. Hey, Control Center, that sounds familiar. Uh <laughs> Ronnie Garvin is gonna be there as they're announcing the rematch of Flair Garvin at Starcade eighty seven. And this is also the announcement of the infamous no title defenses after October seventeenth stipulation. This is sort of fascinating to me that he's not oh. gonna defend the belt between October seventeenth and the big show. What's, what's the logic or rationale here?
1: Well, uh, again, finding people that, that can, that he can beat is, was an issue. Protecting a, a majority of the star big major stars in the roster that felt like they couldn't lose, uh, without hurting him, you know, irreparably. Uh, if he's not, I don't know how much he was booked between those times. Uh, but you know, you, you eliminate the margin for error and getting someone injured. Uh, I thought the stipulation was very unique. You know, if I'm telling the story, I am talking about the fact that Garvin's going to be, he's not going to be defending the title. He's going to be able to heal. He's going to be able to be hundred percent. He'll be better than he's ever been. His schedule has been adjusted. He got Maybe he got a big break here. We're not having to defend the title before he meets Slayer at Starcade. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat in that regard and tell a viable story. That's believable. Uh, but I think that's kind of, I think I said in a nutshell, who's he going to beat? Uh, and they want to put all the focus on Starcade again, going all the way back to when we started this conversation, the W the NWA did not have a viable opponent for Ric Flair as hard as that is to comprehend. So now ha- having the switch the title, surprisingly, uh, kind of out of nowhere type thing, as you mentioned, uh, was their way of creating talk and a buzz. And now flair is a a quasi baby face and he's chasing not a bad formula, but it's just so sad that Ronnie Garvin was not put into position, uh, to be hot, which tells me that the decision to make Ronnie Garvin, the champion was a decision made, uh, late in the game. It was not a long-term plan for Ronnie Garvin to ever be the NWA champion. Obviously, or he, if they had had been, he had been, he'd been ready for it. He wasn't ready for it.
0: Let me ask, do you think, um, by this point, October 17th, you know, so we're less than a month after the title switch. Do you think that perhaps Dusty had buyer's remorse?
1: Uh, could have, yeah, I could have, but the buyer's remorse would have been the solution for the to heal. That is to make sure you stay ahead of the curve and make sure you've got more than one person in the hunt for the title. Uh, it, it should be if you're, if you're the U S champion, like Lex Luger was going into Starcade, the U S championship is nice. It's a great honor. So the hall of Famers have helped that title. Many of them as a matter of fact, but the bottom line for wrestling in that era or any era in that company was to be the world champion. It should be that way for everybody, unless you're has to have two champions which I still think is insanity, but the, the, I, I, believe that, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Conrad, I, I don't think that I think it was a knee jerk decision. It's a risk. We got nobody better right now. I don't want to be Barry. I don't want to be Sting's not ready yet. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to beat Nikita again. He beat him last year, last year. Get that. But you wouldn't want the same man event two years in a row. Unless you were Dustin Flair. who had the, they had the magic alley and Fraser stuff. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think that it was a, I'm sure Byers and remorse came across the dreams of mine, but he never did really operate that way. He was not good at embracing negatives and smartly. Conrad, maybe in the in the big picture in his crazy ass business. That might've been a blessing in disguise because he didn't carry that, the negative bullshit with him from day to day. He, He had to be the most creative imaginative person in the company. And to be that person, you cannot be working in a negative haze. And that's what would have happened if he had brought that with him.
0: It just seems weird to me that there's, there's no classic Hortman horseman beat down in a parking lot. It's just, um, I don't know. The build feels a little different here, but everything about this show feels a little different. David Crockett is on record talking about the decision to move from Greensboro into Chicago. And he says, and I really disagree with my brother about the move. Starcade was Greensboro. Jimmy may have wanted a national presence, but guess what? We weren't in the main arena. We were in the college arena.
1: So the people, he's about the UIC pavilion. That's
0: right. He says to the people in Chicago, we seem second rate. Just based on that, I was in charge of production and our costs tripled. Nothing against unions, but the South is a right to work region where you don't have to wait for approval from a union boss. Plus you've got now the cost of flying all those people up there. It just didn't work. This was going to be our first pay-per-view and Jimmy was banking the whole company on it, but Vince McMahon decided to create survivor series to run on the same day. At first, Jimmy didn't think it would be a problem. We'd have Starcade in the afternoon. And when fans watched both pay-per-views back to back, they'd see that we had the better product. Then Vince told the cable companies if they wanted Survivor Series, they couldn't run any other pay per view 60 days before or 21 days after. The Royal Wrestling Federation was a proven commodity, and very few cable companies wanted to take the risk. Of the original 200 that were interested in Starcade, only five carried it. After expenses, we only took in $80,000. So hey. it's an unbelievable situation here. Uh, what a coup that Vince McMahon pulled off. The result is Starcade '87 draws 8,000 fans in Chicago, which is a fraction of what it would have been in Greensboro and had been in Greensboro. It has a buy rate of 3.3. Uh, the undercard, I'm sure, we'll examine another time. But it starts with Eddie Gilbert, Rick Steiner, and Larry Zabisco going to a uh, Zabisco, easy for me to say, go into a draw with Sting, Michael Hayes, Jimmy Garvin. Then Steve Williams, Doctor Death would beat Barry Windham to retain the UWF. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express would beat the Midnight Express in a scaffold match. They're trying to breathe some more life into the Skywalker gimmick. Nikita Koloff, who's the NWA TV champion, would beat Terry Taylor, who's the UWF TV champion, to unify the two TV titles, which again, I think would have been a great idea for the world titles in the main event. Anderson and Blanchard would beat the Road Warriors by DQ, so they retain their tag titles.
1: Of course, they've been by DQ.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the Road Warriors in Chicago. I, I, I don't know. Road Warriors should have won there
1: it's bingo. Hello. And don't leave it open ended. Nobody, nobody, uh, moved down the road any farther. I'd love to hear on, uh, the new Arn Anderson podcast. him will talk about that sometime. The fact that he and Tully were the best tag team in the world without a doubt for a long, long time. If they weren't midnight express were, uh, as far as the heel side was concerned and they had to figure out creative ways to get out of there with their belts and so forth, their titles and not, and still not beat the Road Warriors. It was an unattainable situation that will work one time around, but then when it's done repeatedly, there's problems. And there was that's that's what happened with that deal. We devalued that, that attraction in both Arn and Tully and the and the Road Warriors. In my view, with that that sort of finish.
0: Yeah, it's something else. at Your co-main event, Dusty Rhodes would beat Lex Luger in a cage to win the U.S. title, and. um, I mean, I guess, you know, when we're talking about structuring this card and the way the business is, you know, the importance of, of feeling professional polished and prepared when it counts right now, uh, you know, the most important time is now for small business owners, especially or people who produce their own podcasts being plugged in and prepared when an opportunity comes up is crucial, these moments happen all the time. And they're happening right now and having a business card that shows how professional you are in your pocket, ready to hand out is the first step to making something happen. This is a big deal. We're we're going to help you own the now with free shipping on any business card in any quantity. You choose whatever style, finish, shape, paper, whatever you like, and you get free shipping. And because you can pick the colors, fonts, designs, and images, it means you can create something as unique and compelling as your business. If you're ready to get started on your business card, it's easy. Plug your information and logo into hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company, or upload your own original layout. You'll pick everything, the paper style, the stock, the quantity, everything that's right for you, and you can upgrade to a unique touch, like rounded corners. Well, then you order and you receive your cards with free economy shipping. And all we're talking about here, of course, is Vistaprint. You can feel good knowing that Vistaprint uses only carefully selected inks that are also going to be on responsibly sourced paper stocks. Your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or your money back, they'll make it right. Now, I should give a full disclosure here. I've used Vistaprint since 2006. This is somebody that I have been doing business with long before they were doing business with me. And Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Just go to Vistaprint.com and put this promo code in, Jr. You're going to get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity, limited time offer. It's very, very affordable, which is why I started using it when I first started my business on the now at Vistaprint.com that promo code is JR. And you support our show and you support our sponsors. So why not support Vistaprint and JR? I know you've done a little business with Vistaprint over the years. They're fast, they're affordable, hard to beat, man.
1: Yeah, they are. And they they're pros. They're pros. The, I, uh. My WWE business cards kind of got outdated. Uh, and so I don't use those anymore and I, uh, I hadn't got any business cards yet from AEW. So I went to business for myself and I found my right, I found the right tag team partner for printing this Vistaprint. So folks, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's part of the, of the pers- standard operating procedures nowadays, you meet people somewhere, especially the way I do uh, and, you, and you don't have time to engage in a long conversation, you're catching a plane, uh, running for a car, whatever the case is, and somebody, hey, here, can I, how can I get a hold of you? And you give them your card and make sure it looks good. You know, we've talked about this in briefcases before. Uh, it's, it's a part of the presentation. And having have a slick, good paper, contemporary looking business card, simpler the better it's going to get you down the road a little farther and Vistaprint can can facilitate all that. And with us, you get it for free shipping.
0: And how about this? It's very affordable. I I can't stress that enough. As a new business owner, you know, keeping my expenses in line was very important. Vistaprint helped make it happen. If you aspire to uh, land a big gig, man, you got to look the part. And part of that is having a a great business card. So check out Vistaprint, use our promo code JR. And let's talk about our main event of Stargate 87. And I'm going to get to uh, Meltzer's. Right up here, Ric Flair regained the NWA title, pinning Ronnie Garvin at 17 minutes and 25 seconds. in the second cage match, Garvin was booed badly. And from what I was told, Flair was cheered by about 70% of the fans live. There were fans even (coughs) chanting Garvin sucks. You can tell Ronnie wasn't too happy about all this, but it just shows how badly Crockett and dusty have had their fingers in the pulse of the public. Garvin did lots of scratching and they did all the hard chops, but this was still a disappointing match. In fact, I would say it's the worst flare match I've seen in 16 months. The match was almost exactly the same, but worse than the Detroit title match, which everyone saw. I can't understand why at the biggest show of the year, these guys can't vary the repertoire a bit. The last three minutes were spectacular with all the near falls. They had a ref bump, but the ref recovered quickly, but saved flair from getting pinned with the knockout punch. The finish saw Garvin go for the fast press, but flair dropped him backwards. So Garvin's head hit the pole on the cage and Flair pinned him. Give them credit for doing a clean pin two and a half stars. This is of course going to be Rick's fifth world title win, but Meltzer didn't love it. Very critical that it feels like a rinse, lather, repeat from Detroit. And the similarities are there. It's a cage match again. And the, even the structure on this particular show, it's the second cage match of the show, which in and of itself takes a little bit of the specialness off of it. Doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. Uh, well, I, I like the match better than Dave. Me too. To uh, be, be honest with you, I did. And here Dave, uh, uh, with this, uh, his, his, uh, constructive criticisms of flair. is kind of unusual. So he, Dave apparently was very uh, convinced he was right on this in his opinion and, he, and it's his opinion. So, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I find it interesting. You know, it's funny how wrestling kind of keeps repeating itself. We have Starcade, they have 200, uh, cable companies that want to carry Starcade in the afternoon and then cover cover the survivor series at night. Uh, and McMahon, after McMahon does this move and then he does one more move up his sleeve that intimidating the cable company. So if you carry it, you're not gonna have our business. And so again, coming off that big money maker at uh, WrestleMania three, the cable company saw a rebirth in, in, in this new business called pay-per-view and Vince McMahon was the king of pay-per-view. So they didn't want to piss him off. And now Vince is using basically the same game plan to try to block the growth and the get out of the blocks of a nice positive start for AEW, uh, next Wednesday night, October 2nd, because they moved from uh, their network to USA, the NXT show, and it won't be the last counter move to, 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 I guess you would say, uh, uh, restrict our growth Conrad. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, history continues to repeat itself. Vince won wars doing this. So why would we think he's going to do anything else? Uh, He, he shouldn't do anything else. He should be very aggressive and make it as hard as he can for anybody to gain any part of a market share. In his world, I get that. So that's why this whole thing is going to be very interesting on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm not big on the war term, but I, it's fashionable. I get it. Money, Night Wars. I got it. I was there. I bought the T-shirt, the whole nine yards. Uh, but his his tricks are not done, and he always had the other ace up his sleeve. So he moves to go to go head to head. Crockett moves his starting time. McMankit doesn't want to move his starting time from the night to the afternoon. But he puts some pressure on the cable companies that you're either going to play ball with Crockett, or you're going to play ball with us. Your call.
0: It's crazy to think that you know this is all going on behind the scenes, but it's it sort of inside the company. Everybody's sort of wondering, what about Ronnie Garvin? And there, it's just uh, such a, uh, I don't know. Timing is everything. I've learned that a lot in business, and this this is one of those moments, especially where you've got just a, a few bad decisions here in a row. Maybe. It's been argued that it was a bad decision to buy uh, Watts it's been right. argued that it was a bad decision to move from Greensboro to Chicago. It's been argued. It was a bad decision to try to go head to head on pay-per-view. And obviously they didn't know that, but they didn't just sort of stay in their lane. They wanted to pursue this new endeavor, but just very costly. And just everywhere you look, it feels like there's something else to criticize or critique or wonder. And it's a perfect storm of bad decisions. And maybe none bigger than, than Ron Garvin where the fans just weren't ready for him, but perhaps some of that blame doesn't belong on Ronnie. It belongs on the way he was presented on TV. Rick would say of the match here that Meltzer was critical of, but I like you enjoyed because it was hard hitting from the beginning. A lot of the fans were booing Ronnie. I remember exchanging chops with him and hearing Garvin sucks. Garvin sucks. You see Garvin was popular in places like Greensboro, but my high living persona. Rick Flair was ready-made for a city like Chicago. And Ronnie came across as too Southern, and I know that Dusty Rhodes depicted himself that same way. But Dusty could get away with it because he was such a much better interview, and he had more char- a more charismatic personality. I wouldn't uh, characterize this as a great match, but I definitely enjoyed myself. Ronnie and I pounded the life out of each other. He beat mm. my chest raw. I was rubbing Neosporin into my skin for a year. It's amazing. I didn't get a staff infection and oh. that's not overstated. You know, our, our, our six man tag team partner here on the show, bull Ramos, AKA Dave Silva, went back and watched <laughs> this match for the first time in a long time and called me all excited. Like, holy shit. These guys beat the shit out of each other.
1: <laughs> they did, man. Hey, the great thing, uh, for, uh, a warrior wrestling warrior, I think that's in my role, uh, I should say, what do you do for a living? I'm a. Uh, I would say I'm a wrestling broadcast. I just start 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 saying I'm a wrestling warrior to set it ringside, Conrad. And when those son of bitches got it to the corner, uh, or or where they were, uh, one guy was based like you get those chops for both guys. God Almighty, there was if you're if, the old wrestlers used to say, you know, you got to make it look good. You got to make it look good. So you got to work snug, uh, not stiff, not hurting anybody, but snug big difference, uh, that anybody sitting at ringside would tell you, my God, I thought this stuff was fake because there's no way that what those cats are doing could be perceived as anything, but real. And that perhaps they really did have some hidden animosities in their soul as men for each other. And it just manifests itself in their wrestling personas. So, uh, I, It was as, it was as physically intense as anything i would seen. And the sad part about it, Conrad, for me, and I've talked to other guys about this match, uh, that are in the media and so forth is a lot of guys liked it and they liked it and they wish it had continued. But apparently the plan was to get Garvin as a champion from, uh, you know, the fall to, you know, Starcade, what, two months, two months, and then move on. And then when they moved on. You drop in a card, and once you get that big check from Starcade, and you start getting regular money again for being a middle-mid-card guy, uh, then it's a, quite the cultural shock, which has prompted Ronnie to leave. Cash and creative, right? Cash and creative, folks. So he went to WWE. But the, the sad part about this deal to me was that I'm a traditionalist, and I respect the history of the business, as we've talked about here, as does Conrad. Ronnie Garvin was the kind of guy that you would covet to be in your territory or on your roster without a doubt. The son of a bitch is going to be on time. He's going to be, uh, ready to work. He's going to be in shape. He's going to be clear headed. He's going to work snug. He's going to make, he's going to respect the business and give the fans, no matter who he's working with a physical match where they leave. there saying, well, I don't know about these other guys, but that goddamn Garvin guy's a badass." That's he's, he's, he was, he's everybody's, he has every checks, every box to be a great star in wrestling business from the time I got in it till now, he's still, he's, he's everlasting because he has a set of traits led with reliability that goes along with being a star.
0: We should mention that, uh, not too terribly long after this, maybe just a couple of weeks, we would see uh, Arne Anderson team with Ric Flair against the road warriors, the road warriors would pick up a win and that would result in January it being announced that. Road warrior Hawk is going to be the guy to get a world title shot at the next pay-per-view, which is January 24th, 1988, the bunkhouse stampede and, uh, the NWA world title will not be the main event there, but we'll go on next to last, but it's a, it's a tag wrestler against flair, which further proves we had the right champ, but we didn't really have the right opponent. Uh, the main event of course would be the steel cage bunkhouse stampede. The dusty roads would win. Um, there is a Garvin on this show. It's Jimmy Garvin in a dark match. Ronnie Garvin is nowhere to be found on the very next pay-per-view. And wouldn't, you know it, Uh, they thought they had outsmarted McMahon running on January 24th, but instead of running pay-per-view, the cable systems had wised up and wouldn't let him do that. So McMahon just created the Royal rumble and put it on TV for free to make sure that nobody had to pay to see their wrestling that night. They could just come here. Those tricks were up McMahon's sleeve in a big way at 87, 88, were they not
1: great strategist. Yeah. He's a survivor street smarts, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, Vince got that degree from East Carolina. Uh, and, uh, so does Linda. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he's street smarts, man. And, uh, he, he's just always got the ace up his sleeve because he's got all the assets. He had all the power. He's everything he was doing. He was, uh, dealing with power and influence. So, uh, I'm a. I, I, we knew that things are up. Hey, look at the Clash of Champions. That too was a free show. That was a free show on TBS. Clash One, Greensboro. Ironically, we're talking about it.
0: Yeah, and you guys are going to strike back there. And, and, and,
1: but the, but then when we we hit a good lick, and we got a great rating, and it affected adversity affected the pay per view that McMahon was produ- producing that night. TBS got the limber tail. And the cable companies who own large chunks of stock in terms of broadcasting went to Ted in his higher ups. It says, we can't compete against ourselves. No, wait a minute. What did that rule get put into effect? It didn't, it wasn't effective. Star K time. So, uh, McMahon had the influence. He had the big muscles in reality and in, in, in fiction. So it, we, it, we tried their counter, had a good show. Didn't mean, didn't mean nothing. It was a one-off. So,
0: well, this, uh, but the match we're talking about though, man, they did not mail it in here. And, and if you're looking to mail it in, let me tell you, nobody has time to go to the post office. You're busy. I'm busy. Who's got, I time? love this.
1: I love this sponsor. All the I, tra- lo- I love these people. Conrad.
0: What are you talking about? Is you love stamps.com? My man, Stamps. come on. That's right. That's right. I love them. Who's got time for the traffic and parking and lugging all that stuff in and out it's a real hassle and that's why JR loves stamps.com. It's one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses or just busy people like yourself stamps.com is going to eliminate trips to the post office and save you money with discounts. You can't even get at the post office stamps.com is going to bring all the amazing services of the United States post office, right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out some products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Uh, Simply use your computer to print the official US postage 24 7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. And once your mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier, drop it to mailbox. It's that simple. And with stamps.com, I can't believe this is real. You get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of most of those expensive postage meters stamps.com is a no brainer saving you both time and money. And it's no wonder more than 700,000 small businesses already use stamps.com including us here on grilling Jr. A lot of you have gotten some care packages. If you went to save with conrad.com, check this out, decided you were going to kick the tires, see if we could save you some money. We sent you some stuff in the mail and we use stamps.com to do that. And right now our listeners get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. All you've got to do is go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in this word grilling That's stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in our code, yeah. code grilling and jr you've been using stamps.com for a long long time
1: a long time man long before uh i even started podcasting and long before you and i uh joined this holy audio union uh it's it's folks this this is actually uh this is so smart to do it's so stupid not to do because i don't like going to the post office and i have to go sometimes because i have a post office box here for fan mail okay not enough of that but standing in line there's always a line our post office here in norman uh and i don't know about you guys i'm not as trustworthy as i should be about our peers our our public I, i go i want to get in and out of the post office you know what i'm saying i'm not going to go into detail with that but Give me in, get me out. And boy, this stamps.com has solved all those issues. If you, Connor was talking about you want to save time, or if you're a lazy bastard like me and you don't want to go park and find a place to park, drag your stuff, stand in line, waste more time, you can't get back, uh, then continue to go to the post office and God bless those workers. But you're smart and you want to be efficient. Stamps.com is the only way to go and Conrad, this offer is extraordinary.
0: Yeah. I mean, usually when you're getting into this and I got to admit when I first started my business, I didn't know about stamps.com. So I got one of those expensive postage meters. It took me a little while to get smartened up that man, I'm overpaying stamps.com is fast. It's easy. It's affordable. Why wouldn't you do this? Go to stamps.com, click that microphone and type in our code. You're going to be glad you did. Let's talk about Jim Cornette, man. Jim Cornette's never at a loss for words. He was there for all this. And he had an opinion of this Flair Garvin match. He said, Flair and Garvin were having incredible matches night after night to the point that Flair had a prescription ointment. He was putting on his chest because every night they would trade chops so hard that Flair's chest would be bleeding because Flair was making Ronnie kill him with those knife edge chops, black and blue. But Ronnie's over the top hand chop were taking layers of skin off of Flair's chest every time. So Flair had this antibiotic ointment on his chest to stop it from getting infected because that many layers of skin are peeled off with every chop. You got to go out of your way to see this. They've got a couple of matches. If you want to see the world title switch, it is available. Uh, I threw it in my Google machine and I found it. It's probably on the network somewhere, but I could just click and find it there. But of course, you know, where to find star 87, you should probably watch both of these matches. I'd be curious to see which one you liked better, Jim, you've seen them both. Did you like Detroit or Chicago better?
1: I like Chicago. I like Chicago. I like the, uh, I thought it was a little bit, a little bit better, uh, mainly or maybe because it was shorter Uh, and, and not because I thought the other one was too long. I did kind of, but they didn't need that much time to tell the story that they told. There's no, they can still do 33 minutes or 30 plus, whatever. But I think you got to construct a 30 plus minute story that has different arcs and different timing. I thought that the match the in Chicago was more succinct uh, and just a, all around a, a better match. Both of them were aggressive as hell. where they're, they're cringeworthy to watch, uh, and it was cringeworthy to call because you know it's hurting. And, you know, you know what guys, you, they're both, and they're in pain and they're doing this because they're pros. So, uh, it, it's the thing you don't see much anymore, uh, in, re- in pro wrestling guys are so leery of being physical. Uh, you know, it's easy to go to your producer or your boss or somebody say, I don't want to work with him anymore. He's too stiff. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've heard that more than you'd ever want to be comfortable hearing in my career, in the last several years. So, uh, that's not how those guys were. The tougher, the better. And, uh, if you can handle it, come sit down and watch. It's amazing.
0: It's outstanding. And, uh, I'd love to hear your feedback, which one you like better, whether it's Detroit or Chicago, now throw us that feedback on Twitter. It's at Jr. grilling that's at Jr. grilling. And there you'll also see, and I can't believe we're, we're making this happen. I've convinced you to stay up late in Nashville, right after AEW TV super show That's a real thing. Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and myself at Zaney's in Nashville, just after the AEW show, of course, we're talking about November 13th. If you haven't already make plans to be in Nashville, what a night of wrestling it's going to be. We're going to be on the heels. It'll be the first show after AEW's full gear in Baltimore. And you know, there's going to be some fireworks at that show. See how those stories are playing out. And then just uh, a couple of blocks up the road, man, Zaney's in Nashville. What a great venue. What a great time we're going to have with our old pal, Tony Schiavone.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. I've, I've played Zanies before there. It's a great club to see a show like ours. It's intimate, friendly. Uh, you're going to you get to go see some great wrestling in Nashville. there uh, at the fairgrounds, uh, for AEW. Then Conrad and I will mosey over with Tony and come over and join you. So we have a lot of things to talk about, but it's primarily a Q and a story, uh, a show rather, and with stories being told and so forth it should be a lot of fun and and maybe somebody will be nice enough to bring me some, uh, remember Conrad, when you and I met there at Zaney's, uh, well, and I had a show there a year or two ago and, uh, we had our catering was that Hattie B's fried, uh, hot chicken.
0: Cat, Hattie B's hot chicken, baby. It was the place to be. <laughs> and, uh, there's lots of, lots of fun eating in Nashville, but I, I want to mention again, this is an 11 PM start. So you're oh, going to go, oh. you're going to go to the show. You're gonna have a great time in AEW, and then just a few blocks up the road, you're gonna mosey up, and hang out with Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, and right after a show like that, the guys, you know, they're gonna be looking for something to do. There may be a, an AEW superstar drop in or two, don't you think?
1: Could be. Uh, I'd be shocked if they weren't offended. In, in addition to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be fun. And uh, I, I uh, Nashville is a great town. Hey, maybe Dixie Carter will come to the show.
0: Well, you never well, know who's going to show. Last time
1: up. I was in Nashville, uh, I think uh, with Raphael, and I, I took Dixie to lunch.
0: And and the time I saw you there at the show, we uh, we ran into our old our old pal Jeff Jarrett. He was there, and oh. uh, I met Steve Patty, who's now one of our uh, mortgage advisors on our savewithconrad.com dot com team. And man, I'm telling you, this is a great venue, a great town, great wrestling town, and what a great wrestling night it will be on November thirteenth. Go ahead and plan on calling in sick on Thursday, the 14th. This yeah. is going to be a show and, you don't want to miss.
1: And the tickets are not going to last long because there's not many of them. So don't be uh, don't dilly dally. Uh, and, and so, and Connor also, uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, i talked about this, me headed down to Alabama coming up in a couple of weeks on the fifth and sixth of October. It's a Saturday and a Sunday, uh, in Dothan. And, uh, you, you're the only guy that I know that's smart enough to pronounce the last name correctly.
0: Fanaticon, come on, man! <laughs>
1: Fanaticon, ladies and gentlemen, Fanaticon is uh, a huge event, like a comic con, a, a pop culture con. You know, I'm going to be doing Q and A Q&A and signing autographs. We're bringing barbecue sauce and and uh, knocker books to sign and personalize. We bring your swag, I'll sign your stuff, uh, and that's going to be the weekend, Saturday and Sunday after our first AEW show. So. There should be a lot to talk about and I'll probably not be making any other, uh, appearances on media other than our, our podcast here. So that'll be a, a interesting opportunity. That will be very quoted, uh, Q and a, I can promise you because everybody's the most analyzed thing in the world. Unfortunately in our world right now, I'm being I'm very much exaggerating is the Wednesday night wars, not, it's not global warming. It's not hunger. It's not violence on women or it's not anything that's really important, but the goddamn Wednesday night wars, I got to talk about it. So you'll, you can get your chance to talk about it in Dothan with me face to face on uh, October five and six. So come on and join us. Take home some sauce, baby. I'll sauce it for you.
0: Hook it up. Fanatic and Dothan. They're coming your way. And don't forget Supershowlive.com, November 13th. Grill and JR and what happened when in the same place at the same time, right after the AEW show, you don't want to miss it. And you don't want to miss next week. I'm excited about this one, Jim. You and I have, have, have laid out a lot of our shows of what we've got coming up and, uh, next week is going to be another barn burner. Tell your friends hit the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. You don't have any money out of pocket, but next week's show is something I can't wait to talk about with you. It's the first hell in a cell it's in your house, bad blood, 1997. It's the debut of Kane. It's the night we found out we lost Brian Pillman. There's so much meat on the bone. What mm. are you looking forward to next week with this show?
1: Yeah, it is. man Sean Michaels was looked at as a physical wrestler tougher than he was given credit for being based on how he was booked and broadcast, uh, in the heretofore there. Uh, Sean, Michael became, uh, the, you know, the giant slayer, so to speak, uh, in the eyes of a lot of people who thought that there was no way Michaels could match up with, uh, the undertaker and man, what a matchup it was. It was one of the, it's still, it's one of the, it's one of the earliest matches I can remember calling on uh, pay-per-view that I, that I still get flashbacks off, it was that good. And of course that day as Conrad mentioned, you know, I had a very close relationship with Brian Pillman. Uh, from all the getting it from Calgary to WCW, then to WWE, I have great belief in Brian and, uh, uh, we found out that he, he died the night before, uh, Minnesota, I think. And that was shocking to all of us. So it was a hard day to process and get through for me because you make these relationships like Barry Switzer, old football coach. So you said, you know, you know, JR, when you recruit these players, you recruit them for life. And I've kind of looked at it that way with a lot of the guys I've tried to help along the way. Uh, you know, I still help him when I can, uh, you, 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 you're, you somebody's friend and you're their friend for life or you're simply not friends. So, uh, losing Brian the way we did there and not get a chance to talk to him or, or anything along those lines was uh, very, very challenging. Then to go out and call a spirited, uh, event with the, in the hell in the cell and uh, the hell, the first hell in the cell, that's another one of those deals. The first time it was built good. It was a unique structure. You know, uh, it was Satan's playground, you know, the, all those things, the devil's decide, all those Satanistic hellacious, uh, analogies I came up with for that are still being used by the way, which I appreciate the, I always appreciate the WWE guys using my material. It's there, hey, it's there.
0: It is there. And we hope that you'll be here next week. And every day are on the mighty Westwood one.